Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where those who think outside the box can create unique football bets from a combination of markets. Create your best bet with the innovative BetVictor Bet Builder. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. Yes, this is the Blue Day podcast, and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a Blue Day. I am your host, the creator, and the man with a face for podcasting, Keith Lawrence, and this summer, the podcast has been touring across the globe, speaking to different Chelsea supporters clubs, and this week, we are joined by Gary Carr-Smith of the Bristol, Bath and South Wales Blues. Gary, welcome to the podcast. How are we? Hi Keith, um, all good and uh, gearing up for the new season with getting memberships all signed up for the supporters club and effectively waiting like everyone else um, to see who's going, who's leaving, who's who's staying and effectively who's coming in. I don't know what's probably a bigger headache for you, being the secretary of your supporters <laughs> club and trying to deal with the memberships or actually being a supporter and trying to figure out when are we actually going to sign players? But we'll talk We'll talk yeah. about the current state of the club, and I mean state, later on. But yeah. I just want to sort of start the conversation, Gary. I was, we, we, dis, we have discussed before recording about sort of Chelsea in briefly. But when did you start following Chelsea? Well, um, not that everyone can see, but you can see me. I carry quite a bit of grey hair now. Um, I go way back to 1967 as a mere slip of a lad at seven years old. And I went with my older cousin and my uncle um, and the love affair started. Um, I think it was October 67. Um, all, all I remember is it was Everton and we drew one all. And it was like I sat on the front wall of the shed and that that was it. And cousin and uncle were somewhere nearby. <laughs> <laughs> They knew they knew where you were as long as you got back by ten to five. That was the main thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's basically it. <laughs> what my parents didn't know didn't matter. <laughs> Get away with that those those days. You can't now, unfortunately. No. But, no. So you said nineteen sixty seven. You've seen quite a lot then of change from Chelsea from then to now. Uh, well, this is it, and I should quantify it. I, because of living and work, working away and things like that, over my lifetime, I've not been a in and out the ground every week, all the rest of it. But it was back, back certainly as um, 
child growing up and then into sort of early teens. It was a sort of every other Saturday, as the uh, banner says. Um, it was the only place to be. And I did that kind of along with my cousin. Um, but it's like now we've all got older and the rest of it. And you go through the bringing up the kids and all the other stuff that goes on. You you dabble in between. Long before they called it the Champions League, it was the European Cup. And we could only dream of ever being part, part of that. And... I, you know, it, it's how we sum up all these years without pouring people that weren't even around then. But um, in essence, it was like the the dark days of Division Two, and what a following we had then away from home. I did college time. Uh, I was the Merchant Navy, and I did college time up at Fleetwood. So there was all the likes of Oldham, Blackpool, Blackburn. You you name all that northwestern sort of not the Man Man United's of this world and Liverpool's, but the time when we were fighting for survival in Division 2 and the rest of it, and then ultimate uh, progression. But you were talking anywhere between 4,000, 6,000 Chelsea fans going away games way up in the northwest before mobile phones, before <laughs> before tra- the, the trains became um, uh, modern. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone that's been on on trains recently and moans about the state of trains now should have got been going back in the seventies and eighties. <laughs> I gather they were probably still late in those days, but it weren't as bad as what they are now. No, no, but the the the, the state of the carriages and well, especially when you were travelling on on that. I never actually travelled on a football special, but it was always, uh, especially when I was based up there and wait waiting at a station for the football special to arrive to to have the numbers so that you weren't picked off as individuals. <laughs> I think that was it. <laughs> them, them dark stories about going to Carlisle and Hartlepool and Crewe. Yeah. Those uh, in, interesting places that Chelsea fans of a certain generation have probably never even heard of, let alone been to for football. But... No, and, and I, I suppose just to characterise, you sort of see nowadays with a lot of people moaning about this and suddenly if we draw, draw a game or lose a game, it's the end of the world and the rest of it because success is in, in let's call it the recent uh, history, has been steady or gradual, then steady, and we've just got used to it. The danger is that we've become like the Man United and Liverpools of this world where it's just, if it, if it's not a win every week, then it's like sort of, terrible news go back 70s 80s and the rest of it um fa cup and um uh, uh, beating real madrid well yes we did all those years back um that those sort of successes were far and few between and then suddenly we found ourselves in, in, in a very very bad place and so anyone when it, even when it happens now you'll hear the you'll hear us older ones just say but that's what following Chelsea is about. One week you're up, next week you're down, and you'd never know what's coming next. Um, <laughs> and so nothing to moan about this day and age. Just on a sidetrack, because this is <laughs> quite fascinating to, to discuss this with a Chelsea supporter of a certain era. Do you think that's why there's certain discussions about the atmosphere at Stamford Bridge, particularly with the home games, whether they're playing against Burnley or Newcastle or Man United, that the atmosphere at home games has been dire for the last few seasons. 
because of the expectation that certain fans that were became Chelsea supporters since a certain time when success was coming on regularly, do you think that has had an effect on certain people's mindsets when they go to the bridge now? Um, yeah, and of course, things are very different now. And whichever way we look at it, I think that there's many things behind it that, you know, the change when we went to all seater, the, the loss of the shed. But I mean, we're talking, you know, we're going back to the 90s where we lost that sort of the, the spiritual home, let's say. Um, the, the days of the North Stand, and they had their very particular job in life. <laughs> and again, I don't, I don't think we're going to focus on that. But um, <laughs> I, I think the world has changed. And whichever way you look at it, every football club has gone very much more upmarket corporate in its uh, attraction the the big money uh, as much as we all think the tickets are expensive etc uh, etc et the money that comes in from corporate sort of is eye-watering sort of money the the sponsorship and, and you know if we look at it the policing the change in society etc etc has made football was the place where everyone went to vent frustrations and anger and everything else. The rivalry is still there, but basically I think what they've done is, A, they're policed out of, certainly inside the stadiums, pretty much all the trouble uh, used to be there. And the attraction now, when you're you're Premier League and when you're constantly up the top, Champions League in in every season, which we've been doing for a long time, effectively... The market opens up, the overseas market, because of whether it's travel, technology. We've got, let's call it a fan base all over the world. And then anyone coming to London as a visitor, it's what tickets they can get a hold of. Well, unfortunately, there are people and companies that get access to those tickets and sell them at extortionate prices. And there's, there's a willing market for it. So the, you know, the tourist as it's called unfortunately is part and parcel and I wouldn't be surprised every club has the same problem. Stamford Bridge we can't expand it certainly in the near future the plans were there disappointingly that was pulled and maybe I'm thinking in the time scale it was looking at we wouldn't have a Stamford Bridge even now because that would be ongoing and then the sanctions would so I think you know they were talking four seasons away well you can't create an atmosphere at Wembley every week with you know, whichever way you go, we've seen other clubs move grounds and it certainly doesn't help both team performance or, and well, they were talking Wembley. Uh, I know it's not happened, but effectively, if you imagine shifting what is a majority of the fan base through London to get to a home game every week, fraught with difficulties and the rest of it. And I think we'd have been away far too long. So how they go about it in the in the future... My my thing is always about you can only control what you can control. And these are things out, outside of our remit. If they decide to redevelop and move move grounds while it's all happening, yeah, we, we can all be upset and rest it, but we'll just have to lump it and put up with it because that's what we do. <laughs> Does that sound very, very um, uh, depressing and rest it, but... That's not happened well, yet, and I still. We shall talk about our upcoming transfer schedule. We will talk about that. That's 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 more that's more depressing, I think. But yeah. I, 
I want to start talking about the supporters club, Gary, if I can. Yeah. Right from the origins of it, what was the reasonings behind creating the club in the first place? I, well, I'm going to say, and this is where memory sort of goes, but if I'm right in thinking, it was uh, June, sort of 1996. I'm fingers crossed I'm right because I'm thinking I've got 98 in my mind. Um, but I think 96 for sure. I think was when the club was formed and it was just Bristol and Bath at that stage. And it was started up. Um, Frank and his wife, Thelma, um, started the club up. They were, they lived in uh, a suburb of Bristol um, and it started from very small origins. I picked it up from an, a little ad in the corner of the Bristol Evening Post, a supports club. And I suddenly thought, wow, some other people I could do it because at this stage I was taking my son exactly as I was taken seven years old was when mum would allow him to go with me to football <laughs> um, and it was just a way of well they were talking about trips to the training ground stuff like that. so I joined and I think we it was very small and humble beginnings maybe 20 30 people it was not connected with Chelsea FC it was just something they started up and to be honest, I don't even know then if there was sort of official supporters clubs per se. I could be wrong because others could have been. But one way or another, we ended up being part and parcel of the regional supporters clubs, uh, as they sprang up. Membership um, was, let's say, sporadic. People came and went. I, 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 I don't even know exactly what the numbers were. We don't have this lovely little history somewhere. Um, certainly not with myself. Um, but you were talking tens of people rather than sort of hundreds. Um, it's sort of grown now. Chelsea have control of the supporters' clubs. Um, they make the rules. They tell us what we can and can't do. Um, and effectively, uh, when someone applies to be a member, they'll check whether they've got anything, uh, you know, anything to do with them. Um, banning orders or whatever else. Obviously, they've checked that first because to be a member of a supporters club, you have to be a member of um, what used to be called True Blue membership or season to get older. Um, if we accept someone's application and they're not a member of Chelsea, Chelsea come up and say this person doesn't exist or they're not on our records, we cannot have them as a member. So Chelsea are controlling that. I suppose they have to because of security, etc., etc. That's quite interesting because I think a lot of people just assumed, you know, if you're a Chelsea supporter, maybe not be a member of the club because you might be some, you know, quite too far away to get to the ground and you want to be sort of a supporter of your local supporters club. That's quite interesting knowing that you still got to be a member to then be part of an official supporters club. Uh, I, I, um, and probably to, to quantify, because Bristol, Bath, South Wales, um, God, and I'm trying to think off the top of my head now how many there are, um, but we've been for the last good few years now, we've been a platinum supporters club, which means that as a supporters club, we've got access to away tickets as well as home home games for applications. And the, the, the uh, real, if you call it the real benefit of a, being a part of the support, official supporters club, is that we get um, access. We People say, I'd like to go to that game. We we get that. And six weeks 
uh, in advance, we have to submit a list of people wanting tickets. So you don't have to go through the what was the online waiting room and, and rest it waiting for them to come online there. So that's probably the, the major benefit um, as most people see it. Um, but in essence, because of all that, if we were to be able to source away tickets and we had people that weren't members of Chelsea, then they wouldn't know who was travelling if there was trouble. These The clubs now have to account for who's got the ticket. And as much as they've done in the past, the touts still exist and the rest of it, but they're, they're tying it down more and more now. Um, and this season in particular, everyone, even juniors, have to have their own unique email address. So you're not, you haven't got one email address collecting lots of tickets, notionally on behalf of other people. Um, so, um, again, that's a, a little sort of nuance that's coming now, which is going to give, potentially give difficulties for some people being members of sports club because do they want their child to have an email account? But I think, I'm guessing, I, I don't have to worry about this now, but I'm guessing all we do is you just set up another one that you've got control of just to receive that. Um, yeah. that Because that, tickets are email now. Um, there's no uh, print-off tickets. Yes. You, print at, you print at home. Again, yeah. not everyone will be aware of that now. Um, and that's that came in last season. And even, even to the extent, originally they said it wasn't, but now the scanners they've got in do work. So you have the thing on your phone. It's just the QR code. Bar yes, code. you can use your phone um, now. Yes. Yeah. Originally, yeah. it had to be a print a piece of paper, which seemed absolutely ludicrous because, again, that could just be sort of passed across. Um, bit by bit, technology will catch up and stop the exchange of tickets, I think, <laughs> without it being through official channels. Yes. Yeah. I know um, there was some issues even last season with tickets being sort of transferred from one person to the other and it said about, you know, by paper form. But I think there will come a point where, as you say, it will just be done by email because you get that now yeah. with certain theatres. It's all done by email. You don't get yeah. any paper form. So tickets will be probably be another conversation for another time because there's <laughs> a lot of discussions about yeah. away tickets. Yeah. So, Which, sorry, have I, have I hijacked your agenda? <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. But uh, I think in terms of away tickets especially, there's a lot of issues last season with the Chelsea supporters not getting yeah. away tickets. Then you had a lot of tickets being reserved for hospitality people that yeah. would then sell them on to Timbuktu. So then you'd get yeah. uh, Joe Bloggs going to... Man United away, where somebody who mm. is trying to get the loyalty points to get to that same game can't get it. Yeah, but that's a yeah. rant for that's a that, rant for another day. I'm gonna say that's a and uh, Keith probably just to quantify because you may you may well have listeners and sure you have that aren't members of official sports clubs and before that it goes off and it's like oh yeah the sports clubs get all the tickets no literally. All the sports clubs, and I don't know how many there are, and this includes overseas, both Europe and international, you know, further afield international. All those supports clubs only get access to a maximum of 150 tickets for away games. So we know they're off, they're limited, but that is it spread amongst all the, the supports clubs. So no, it's not a free-for-all. And pretty much demand outstrips what's there and... Chelsea would just come back and say you, you, you're literally only getting a, you know a couple of tickets 
for your members. And we have to sort out then who gets them. We do, we do a preference system and stuff. But yeah, just to quantify, it's not a, the supporters clubs get all the uh, the away ticket scheme is by far and away I think the bigger um, or the largest uh, sort of number of people that get access to it. And then yeah, corporate and they've up corporate. I believe it's somewhere fifteen to twenty percent. I might be wrong, um, but corporate do get access to a lot of away tickets. Yeah. And invariably, a lot of places it's sort of fifteen hundred or less. My ticket so, rent will probably start at the, in, in August, so I, I will I will save yeah. it till then. But yeah. in regards to the actual group itself, you said there's only a, a couple of hundred people within the group, but on certain t- games where you don't attend at Stamford Bridge, do you meet up at a, a pub or a location and watch the game no, together? Uh, What's the sort of typical um, match day? Uh, and again, I know obviously other got? clubs. Yeah, I know other clubs are. Um, they have stuff like they meet up, uh, etc. One thing is, as we sort of grew and geographically, um, effectively, South Wales didn't have any representation. And basically, Chelsea said to us, we've got sort of members in South Wales, um, short of anything else geographically in Wales, will we, let's, let's call it, would we absorb them? So now that's why we are Bristol, Bath and South Wales. But even that belies the, the geographic coverage we go effectively in terms of people who had as members we go from Swansea across to somewhere in the region of Westbury and Wiltshire so if you know geography um, that's the east-west line and then pretty much western Supermare up to um, the north border of uh, Gloucestershire we've got members up in Tewkesbury so geographically I'm not quite sure how many counties that takes in, but we've got people spread all over. Yeah. There, you know, and Bristol being the sort of city, you've got people north, south, east, and west and, and the outlying areas. So it, it's with the biggest problem we've had is getting people together. We don't organize transport because, again, as a club, to sign up to get, let's say, a coach organized and the rest of it, there's lots of there always will be lots of promise, but if you don't fill that coach up with, as a club, we don't really generate any money. Um, right. We have a membership uh, fee, which Chelsea cap what we can charge. We are way under that. Um, um, so it's a difficult essence. And up, up to now, there's always been plenty of admin costs. The past tickets, Chelsea were charging eight quid to post tickets out each time. And, it sort of fit starts and rest of it. Uh, all the postage because of that geographical spread. There's no, you, could, you couldn't say, right, come here to get your tickets because we're only a small uh, cluster of people all fairly close together. So everything had to be posted out. And then you've got the worry with that. So those were effectively the costs of the club. Um, again, probably background, if you've not spoken to them, the Southwest, which is based down in um, uh, Devon. Uh, they tend to run a game to uh, run a coach to every um, home game, and um, effectively any seats they have available, they make available to us because they come up through the M5 and then M4 corridor. So they'll stop at the services uh, just south of Bristol, and then again out by um, just past Bath, and they'll do pickups there for for anyone that um, asks you know, gets hold of them to get a ticket. So, again, that's there. But, again, they normally 
fairly well fill their coach. Um, so, in essence, that's what most people ask us for. Do, you know, do we run transport? What we suggest is that we'll, again, GDPR is that wonderful thing, but um, we will um, avail to people via the, fa- uh, the Facebook site we've got uh, and stuff and sort of say, there's other people in this area. If you're interested, then we can we can put you in contact. But again, if you're not going to every game, it's really difficult to do it. And I belie anyone to, to sort of say, of course, I just go every game I can the rest of it because the cost of, and now with fuel, to get from, to drive from yes. South Wales across. And, yes. you know, it's like myself, you know, it's, it's a minimum of a two and a half hour drive. And I, I do laugh when I hear people, you, you know, where they talk about, oh, it's all the bloody tourists and that, that. Well, maybe, do you class me as a tourist because I drive two and a half hours? You know, um, you're worried about getting the tube across into London or whatever else. Try try driving it and look at look at your fuel bills that you run up because the games come thick and fast. You know, we've, we've got, you know, we play invariably after the season gets sort of into swing. We're playing twice a week. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of mileage. A hell yeah. of a lot of mileage. And, and it, again, and I know there are people who do it, and they make that their life. But of course, when you when you've got families growing up and the rest of it, you can't just sort of dictate all the money's going into that. And you have to sometimes pick and choose. But yeah, there's there's another just loose bit of uh, flippant talk. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. I think that yeah. again, it's it's, it's something that. A lot of supporters' groups, especially this season, will have to think about because, as you say, petrol prices aren't going down anytime soon. And you look at other cost that's going up. There's going to be a few people, I think, that will have the same issue as as what you've just discussed. So I think it's good yeah. to discuss it now, and then because we know that you're not the only supporters' club that's, that's going to have that issue. Bearing in mind geographically where you are to, to the ground yeah well I guess say you know and we're not we're certainly not the furthest away in the rest no. of it and there are those that, that travel far greater distances but yeah in essence the vast numbers uh traveling will be for the, the let's call it the the London collective um predominantly where, where you are the, the southeast corner of the country is a you know very heavily subscribed um Chelsea sports and rest of it. but yeah the the capacity of the ground limits as well how many t- how many we can get in there and the problem is what's siphoned off for see well not it's not siphoned off but you've got your season ticket holders then you've got your corporate then you then you've got your sponsors ticket allocate north um, shed upper that has a big section of it effectively the youth teams get uh, tickets for, so you get a lot of youth team family members etc so it all compresses in oh and then we, we do pretty damn good with the numbers what we give to away support um to meet the um premier league what, what is it do you have to give 10 percent for premier league games well i think we we actually sort of manage that you go to places like um that lot in red up north and the rest of it um and they've got a massive capacity but they don't what is it 1800 that ain't anywhere near 10 percent of seventy thousand. And and I think you know there's a game there's a game played and they they claim it's because of segregation and the rest of it and they can't do anything else. Um, so yeah, and what do we do? We put we put them right in a right in a corner where they can get sort of 
clue. They can make a difference. We, yeah. we should put them as far away as possible. You should do. Put, and, and put them right up in the top of the East Stand. Give, give them half of that and put nets all around them. Well, there's, well you say that, East Stand up, and there's, there is some of them that are quite restricted views. So, yeah, no, I, I, I like your thinking with that one. Yeah. In terms of the group itself, watch your ambition for the group as a whole. So where do you see the group in, for example, five years' time? Uh, what, as in the sports club? Yeah, sorry, as, yeah. as the sports club. Uh, yeah, as a sports club. Well, we've been, I'm going to say we've been steadily growing. And I think it's like everything else. We've got more and more younger members joining, whether it's through family contacts or they've, they've come of an age, Premier League football and our, I'm going to say our status now within the, within the top four guarantees you've got lots of people watching and one way or another whether it's the colour of the kit or whatever else but young kids all over the country with no affiliation of where they live and what their local team is will suddenly oh I want to be a Chelsea supporter and so I, th- I think this sort of generates out from success you know you go all around the country um, you know the other notional big clubs um, have this, you know, wherever you go, you'll see their shirts and whatever all around the country. Well, so same with us. We, we've got that. Maybe not as prolific in some areas because it becomes a bit dangerous for some, but um, it's certainly um, generating new up and coming. So I'm not, again, I'm not sure, but we've got quite a few family groups now. We've got mum, dad, son, daughter are all, uh, a group that that go down. Um, I can add to that my my son and my granddaughter. Uh, she's seven. She went to her first game Newcastle at home last season uh, for her seventh birthday. So the family tradition is carried. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And, That's good. Yeah, and she wasn't born anywhere near Stamford Bridge or whatever else. But do you know what? I, I stick by the adage: the team you support is family linked. The worst yes. thing is that you don't follow that family kind of length, so it's gone down. And I'll just chuck in for good measure. I took a lot of resistance. My daughter's in her thirties now, uh, and she's got um, a daughter of her own. My daughter is called Chelsea, and it always was going to be before I even got married. More more girls were dumped because when I said it, the look on their face said, "And it was that if we ever if we ever get to the stage and have kids." They have a daughter, she called Chelsea. And if their face was that, that was pretty much an immediacy. Callous 20-year-olds. <laughs> that, that, that's, I think, what it was. <laughs> so, yeah. People should have more of a mindset like you. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's fantastic. I, I wish I had that before I got married. Unfortunately, I said it after I got married and the, the look on the wife's face wasn't pretty. But, <laughs> yeah. In terms of the supporters club, you mentioned sort of briefly about the contacts you've had with yeah. Chelsea. So Chelsea basically have final say on who's in and who's out. What other sort of contact have you had from the club in terms of your supporters club itself, in terms of merchandise or any sort of events um, come up? Do you get sort of notified? Yeah, in, so I'm going to say, in essence, the supporters club's obviously for signing up because and we we do have to pay to to be a, an official supporters club um so but in essence it comes back by way of that you get a um, for want of a better word a goodie box of um memorabilia you know scarves 
all, all the bits and pieces. And effectively, um, we do that because we, we run a player of the season, sort of people vote for it and the rest of it. And then someone's drawn out at random, so they get that. And pre- presentation to the players. Um, so, again, you get that through the supporters club. So, um been difficult times the last few seasons, but I'm assuming, and now with the change, but I'm assuming it will be the same. Every supporters club will get the chance for someone to come and present their player of the year award to that player. It used to be on the pitch. I'm not sure quite now what they're going to do because, but I'm th- I'm thinking and hoping American owners, um, they like all the pomp and ceremony and razzmatazz, don't they? So I'm sure um, there won't be an objection to. Uh, that sort of thing. COVID's still around, but things are getting better now. Mm. Obviously, the club have massive sort of COVID, let's call it security operations to try and protect the squad, etc. But hopefully this season, that'll be back, uh, presenting awards. Um, we used to always be able to go to, uh, you'd get um, a slot once a season to go to the training ground. Now, of course, I'm going back to the early, the the years when we were at Harlington, uh, just outside Heathrow, and um, you could go down there and it, and you know players sign and stuff. And Cobham is much more secure now and the rest of it. I, yes. I again, and because of COVID, it's been a long time since um, the opportunities come up, and which reminds me of Cobham. There's there was another thing. Um, of course, we, we we might get back into it, but but they always used to run an annual supports club football competition at Cobham. And you go down and you'd have past or, um, uh, well, yeah, past players. Quite a few of them would all come down and rest of it. And each each supports club team would have a past player as their manager. Um, so it, we we did it uh, two years on the trot. But the problem was we were quite, certainly back then, we were an older um uh, sort of supporters club so we got absolutely trounced um every game we were playing like the italian supporters club brought a team over it was like what they were all 20 something they they looked like they could have probably gone and graced a pitch at stanford bridge let alone um a, a competition at, um common but no that was something else that supporters clubs benefited from and they were great they were great days just going down to play on the on the pitches down at common and the rest of it um but that was some years ago now but uh, and again, I'm, I'm sidetracking, but um, effectively, I, what I class as my greatest ever moment because I was playing there and thought, oh, Dennis Wise strolled across the come. He wasn't part of the day, but he, I guess he lived fairly close and strolled across. And I just got that photo opportunity. So I'm in my football kit and Dennis is in his you know, designer sort of uh, summer gear and um, had that photograph taken. As I said, Dennis Wise came to watch me play football as well. <laughs> 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 Even though I was, um, I think I was, uh, yeah, I was probably late forties, maybe touching fifty at that stage. <laughs> That's but something to tell happens. your mates that Dennis Wise yeah. saw you yeah. play football. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that was it. And and we always used to um, run what we call legends events. And when it was a more compressed supporters club and the rest of it, but again, we're going back some time now. But we used to hold the legends event. And basically, we'd come there and we'd get, um, you know, the past players. And, we, you know, we'd have, like, Peter Bonetti, uh, uh, Ron Harris. Um, I'm trying to think now. And, um, the last one we did was Pat Nevin came down. Uh, um, and what, what, what a great guy, because he came down. Yes, we covered his expenses, but he didn't 
want any fee from us for, for him coming down. Put him up for a night, picked him up from the airport and stuff. Absolute diamond geezer, um, even though he's Scottish. But um, <laughs> um, can't blame and, him for that one. <laughs> no, 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 no. And again, you see, I mean, the thing is that there's those of us, a generation that would have seen him uh, playing the rest yeah. of it. You know, they're long gone days and the rest of it. You know, most, a lot of people now where they've come along would just see Pat Nevin, he's someone that does a podcast and um, radio uh, type well, commentary or, or punditry. TV as well, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But great to be in the presence of someone with that genius and the rest of it. It's, you know, but again, our problem was we, we run that but effectively we ended up running the night at loss because, again, there was a lot of people saying, yeah, we're going to be there and the rest of it, but ultimately it sort of uh, came down. Um, but that is, let's say, the greatest ambition would be to be able to get that going again. But with everyone, everyone's lives are so busy now. Everyone wants stuff, but when it comes down to it, no one or very few will ultimately commit in the timeline that you need it to confirm stuff. And then when you need some help to do stuff for the rest of it, unfortunately, <laughs> again, it sounds a bit depressing, but yeah, suddenly you're looking around and it's, it's a very few people um, that are willing to do all the, all the work and put up with all the hassle. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that that's a bit there, but yeah, we'll see how we go. And I, th- I think it's how this season progresses now after the, COVID, after sanctions, after new owners, after new players, some, some, well, some have already parted, and the new era will begin. And I think anyone that's been around and support Chelsea long enough sort of just knows we moan and gripe and rest of it, but once it comes down to it, you are blue to the core, and actually it is what it is. And once that, once we get the season rolling, I think, you know, there will be revived interest in various things. Um, and I say, we've got the World Cup looming, which is messing this season up as well. So again, I don't... Uh, yeah, and I, I, nothing worse. I hate the international breaks. You know, it's like, yeah, supporting England, that's even more painful than supporting Chelsea was back in the back in the <laughs> 80s. Um, and, it, you know, it, it, in essence, it's like, it's going to just, you're going to lose momentum. I think this will be a messed up season. Uh, in terms of how things end up at the end of the season, because how, how can you have a break from sort of mid just before mid November, and then the first game back after it all for the players is Boxing Day? It's ludicrous. Um, yeah. But yeah, you wait for FIFA. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's another show. To be honest, just we've just been yeah. talking about <laughs> UEFA and FIFA. I, I believe that'll even be a free parter. But yeah. if there's anybody from the area that was w- would be interested in joining your supporters club, how would they go about it and join? Um, well, basically, for, for anyone wanting uh, to find their support local supporters club, then the Chelsea website um, and the Fifth Stand app have a list so you can find there. The contact details are on there. Um, we're just sorting out because the mobile phone that we had as a contact is... It, it just become unmanageable in terms of someone having two phones, having it at work, people always phone at the wrong time. So we're going to basically just be more direct by uh, the email address. And 
I could probably read it out, but I think it's easier to go. You will find the email address uh, for Bristol Bath and South Wales on, on the app or on the website. And um, also we've got a Facebook um, community site. So you have to you have to answer some questions so that we filter through. Um, but basically it's just that background check on you are a Chelsea supporter. Um, that's it, so nothing great. Um, so we've got Facebook. Twitter, that used to be run by... Um, uh, the secretary before me and it's it's not something that I don't think we're really sort of using too much and again it's it's having the time and the ability to sort of keep it up to date and and current it's actually a lot of work I think running stuff like that and um Twitter uh, yeah I, I guess I <laughs> that's it so it's a Facebook site and the email address the two main points to for people to pick up on now, fellow Chelsea supporters, the Blue Day podcast is now sponsored by Manscaped. They are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming and their products are precision-engineered tools to deal with your family jewels. Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. This includes the Lawnmower 4.0, more powerful than the lawnmowers you get in B&M's or Morrison's. It is a fantastic product that doesn't cut, it glides through. The Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer helps reduce nicks, snags and tugs in those delicate nose holes. This one is a winner in the Lawrence household, I can tell you. Plus, we have the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner. This changes the way you approach your hygiene routine. You put deodorant under your pits, why not on your sack? Manscape even throw in two free gifts in their performance packages. The Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Gentlemen, it's time to take care of yourself ahead of the new football season. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping when you put in the code BDP. That's right, BDP stands for Blue Day Podcast, and you will get 20% off and free shipping. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Now, we'll talk about current Chelsea at the moment, and you you mentioned depressing and a little bit of a, a nightmare when it comes to transfers, but we haven't brought anybody in yet as of as of recording this. Spurs have bought players, Arsenal have bought players, United looking like they're going to bring in mm. players. Our squad's lighter than what it was last season, although people are having parties, the fact that Lukaku's gone and Christensen's gone. But where do you see Chelsea at, at, at this time? Are you concerned with how the summer's gone so far? Do you think that Chelsea as a club, the boardroom should do better? What's your take on the proceedings? Um, again, I... I'm, I'm going to put sort of let's call it life experience behind this rather than being um, young and full of vigour. Um, we've just gone through massive upheaval in the club. I don't think anyone will really appreciate what those sanctions meant in terms and getting through the process to find new owners and get that through the old um, due diligence, fit and proper owners, etc. We've someone's moved mountains for that to happen. Um, and, you know, we weren't very far away notionally from the point that we wouldn't have existed. So I think 
A, we should be grateful. Um, we didn't have a choice. Everyone can moan about who we would want as owners in amongst the, the suitors that were there. We've got what we've got, and we've got only hope that they turn out. Then no one is ever going to match Roman and um, what he did and what he was the club, I think, was huge, absolutely huge. And I despise probably everything to do with that country, but uh, Roman will always be remain separate. What he was, what he wasn't, the rest of it, that's outside of the football. In terms of football, he is probably the greatest owner of a football club that any club has seen of how he went about. And if he interfered, he didn't do it publicly. Uh, he stayed in the background. And we've had some tremendous years and uplift to the club. So that's that's my bit there. Um, but in essence, with we've got a new board. I think the worst thing is now the media will manipulate people's minds. And you've only got to look at COVID, everything. The media put out and do what they want to do in terms of creating stories. And every story, don't forget, becomes this clickbait. And I'm not sure how it works, but lots of money is made off. If you get people to the newspapers are the same, they'll chuck stuff in there to get people stirred up and start looking. And if you're stirred up, you look at that, then you look for something else. And it's how it's how media generates money now. Um, it's not that selling newspapers on the stand. It's so therefore I I've always looked at it, and I think if we look historically, how often of all the names that are mentioned by the media about who we're buying, who we're looking at, who was, how often do we get players? Because for the life of me, I don't remember the likes of Essien, Drogba. Um, we can list all those names off. The big players that we've had over the years, they've not been at the forefront of who we're buying. And I think the, the press just chucked names around. Yes, they'll get snippets, and, and, but it's it's big business. Where, uh, you know, these players... The, their contracts and the rest of it and the agents are running for them. There's a lot of work to be done. It's It works of what we're doing. Yes, it would seem that we're we're possibly close to Sterling, um, but it was only a couple of weeks ago we have been we were getting uh, Jesus, but I think he was probably always Arsenal-bound, but it just stirs up the, the, the bit between the Arsenal-Chelsea bit, etc., etc. Um, so... The board have had to do, they've only just come together. There's all the bit with, obviously, Marina and Bruce Buck, where they stay in, where they go in and the rest of it. So it's a, yes, those bits have been put in place. But someone behind the scenes, that the club was still running. It still had a heartbeat. It's just what they had permission to do. And, yeah, direction and guidance from the new board. You know, early days, if you remember, they, the press were always on about, we bought players that Roman just bought who he wanted sub the manager, etc. Well, I don't think we'll ever know if that was strictly true unless you get the memoirs of a manager who says I was too. I think it's much bigger than one person saying, I want that player and make him fit. Um, I was just thinking about it because Lukaku, I mean, it, it really just hasn't worked out the rest of it. But when you think about how few top strikers, scorers of goals there are in the world, let alone um, in the Premier League, trying to get hold of someone of proven ability. He's, he's coming to the side, but one way or another, it just hasn't worked um, in, in terms of it. And at the moment, it looks like really bad financial business, um, how that's going. But 
we're not the only ones. You only got to look around the world. There's plenty of players' names that, you know, Ronaldo has sort of, he's going to have to leave, I think, if, if it, and again, it's if it's true, has he turned around and definitively said, I want to leave, or is that just a, we'll chuck that in. But, you know, it's almost like he's probably burnt his bridges there, if that, mm. if that is the case. But he probably will want away because he's got no time left. There's no Champions League football there. And he's got one, maybe two seasons at most where he will command A, the salary, um, and B, get a team that will come in and have him for the Champions League. So um, I think developments will run right to the wire, which doesn't help with pre-season training and getting stuff together. But then again, if if you've got that salary and you've got that pedigree... um, you should be able to slot in to something. But always a danger with prima donnas. And Man United had it with both Pogba and Ronaldo. So our troubles with Lukaku, seeming troubles, um, maybe a lot less than we think. Um, but, yeah, in terms of uh, what's out there, other clubs are do- doing business. Well, if we wanted those players and had the ability at the time to be out able to look at and talk contracts because it's only just recently that we've known what funds might be available and freed up to spend. But even if we wanted to, were they or were these players not in Tommy's mind? Um how the how the fit goes. Again, they're they're so so statistically driven now. Us as supporters just sort of see we make judgments and think someone's not putting an effort in. But you know what? It's, there's more to it than chasing the ball all around the pitch and the rest of it. And teams have got to be so tactically aware. One, and that's where it goes wrong sometimes. When you see a, a side get done 6-0 in the Premier League, there are, no sides are generally that bad. But if the tactics are wrong, the players, the players aren't all free spirits. They are playing to systems. They've got jobs to do. And a slip here or there can be the difference between being 1-0 down or 4-0 down in the space of know a few minutes so um i've probably gone off track of what you were after there but i think i as always i will wait until chelsea turn around and say this player has signed for us because we have been linked i mean you know even when we were sanctioned we were being linked with players how could we we couldn't even guarantee guarantee there was going to be a ground to play at (laughs) so um but we have got attraction um we are a premier team. We are the only team in London with the European Cup. And um, the bright lights of London and the very fact that we're Champions League, and I said, I think players that want want to leave and we contact and uh, that will be drawn to it rather than maybe going elsewhere. And I think that's what Chelsea's always been about. It's targeting the, the right players. Yes, we get it wrong. Of course we do. Every every club does because players don't perform as expected. But I think he'll have his targets and then it's down to the negotiations and can we do it? And, you know, at the moment it's all like, oh, um, uh, delete in the, however you pronounce his name, you know, suddenly Barcelona after him. How can a team that far in depth be able to compete with us? Um, but, again, back to the UEFA for sort of a situation. I think it's still corrupt and wrong. I'm not allowed to say that on podcast. Yes, of um, course you can. No, you can. You can say yeah. it as freely as you um, want. But 
I, I don't I don't think Blatter going Ridge and uh, Mel, um, God, what's his name? The other guy was there, Platini. Platini. Uh, them, yeah, those, those two going. I don't think they've really cleaned up their act. There is definitely a bias towards um, some teams in Europe. They don't like the Premier League, a because it's probably the most successful league in Europe year on year at the moment, and doesn't seem to be be going. You know, the Italian league is there, but that's only a couple couple of teams now. You know, we're we're banging on in in every European competition, and and sort of you know. We say English teams. <laughs> it depends who the who the owner is and who the players are, and you know it's not always an English team that goes and wins it. It's just by virtue of its ge- geographical location. But you know, in essence, our club is our club. It doesn't matter who plays for it. Players come and go, managers come and go, boards come and go. Pretty much most of us are signed up for life. We're here. For, we're here for, through thick and thin, um, and we have to suck it up sometimes. Finally, Gary. <laughs> what does Chelsea Football Club mean to you and what are your predictions for the forthcoming season? What does it mean to me? Well, it means to me just a lifetime of following it and wherever I've been in the world and, and stuff like that, uh, you know, it's come hell or high water to find the results. Um, I could add that my um, my my son's birth, which was delayed and the rest of it, got delayed further because having waited all day with the labour on off and the rest of it, it got to quarter to five. We were drawing nil-nil. Um, and forgive me because I can't remember. I think we were away at Bolton or something, and it was like everything. And she said, "Oh, yeah, oh, yeah." And we was at the hospital, but I said, "You just wait a minute. I've waited all all day to get this result and the rest of it." So yeah, and it all works out well. Um, so that's that. But that's how much it means. Um, always looking for result and the rest of it, and then always hoping that some other teams, Rottenham, etc., um, do damn sight worse. Uh, and then the other side, prediction for the season, I think we've already covered to an extent. I think it's going to be a real messed up season in terms of the break for the World Cup, starting back at Christmas, not playing between Christmas and New Year. You know, it, 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 they've messed about with it and it's the compression of games. Um, I guess the good news is that the Champions League starts earlier. Um, literally, I think I've only missed two, maximum three, so ever since we were in Champions League home games. Um, done a couple of away, away trips into Europe um, over those years. Sadly missed the finals due to work commitments and the rest of it. Some things can't be shifted. Um, and um, But in essence, I think we've, we're, we'll be all right, but it's the adaption. Um, and it does depend who comes in. Rudiger is going to be a massive loss at the back for us. Um, someone's got to really step up there. But do you know what? We've got Thiago. Hey. <laughs> Another 37-year-old so player. Yeah, that, but if, if someone player. can't learn look, if someone can't learn the trade and play well alongside him, I don't know, don't know what. So um always optimistic, um pr- prepared for disappointment, but do you know what? It's like hopefully we'll come through. I don't worry about who else other teams sign. It's who we sign, and it's do they play with the, with the badge on the shirt and play play for that badge and 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 the fans. That's what that's what we ask in that. Absolutely, Gary. It's been great to have you on the show. I appreciate your time and good luck for the supporters club this season. And hopefully, we'll see you down the bridge quite soon once the season yeah. starts. Yeah, lovely. Thank, thank thanks for inviting me and. Uh, 
putting up with me chattering on. <laughs> you take care, Keith. Absolutely, no problem. Podcast Network.